Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Well, I thank you very much, Gary. It is 6.35 now on this Friday morning. It's 15th day of December, 2023. And I'm John Reed. We're glad you're with us here on News Radio WRVA. Gary mentioned a little bit about the current circumstances on the other side of the planet. The war, Israel, Hamas. Let's go to Jordana Miller, who is live with us to wrap up the week from Jerusalem, the ABC News correspondent that we were touching base with pretty frequently at the start of this war. And I didn't want the week to get by without getting an update directly from you, Jordana. How do things look? Well, I think they're looking um, a little bit better Mm -hmm. uh, after the visit of the National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan. It seems that Israel and the United States are already talking about a transition Uh, to a lower-intensity war, uh, transitioning to what they're calling the next phase. Uh, And we might see that as soon as February, January, uh, where Israel, uh, instead of, you know, having hundreds of, tens of thousands of troops inside the Gaza Strip, they would instead uh, pull back and carry out targeted operations against Hamas, Uh, its positions uh, and its military assets instead of a full-fledged, you know, ground offensive that is taking place all across the Strip, which is what we see now. Uh, The only difference uh, is, you know, between the allies is when that would begin. Mm -hmm. Israel feels it needs another couple months of intense war. um, And, you know, we've heard U.S. officials say they'd like, you know, the next phase to start or, things to wrap up as soon as possible. Has Israel been successful at decapitating Hamas, the leadership, the political and military leadership here? Just, you know, remember uh, during the Iraq war, we had the, um, uh, the, the deck of cards where uh, American soldiers and others would go around and they could identify the people that they were trying to take out. Is, is, where, where does that stand? Right. That's a good question. I mean, Israel has, made significant progress in eliminating, killing, assassinating Mm -hmm. a lot of the uh, leaders of different battalions across the Gaza Strip. Mm -hmm. Have they been able to get to the highest ranks of Hamas? People like Yiche Sinwar and his deputies, Mohammed Def. uh, No, they are still hiding deep underground in the tunnels underneath Khan Yunus if they haven't already 
somehow escaped across the Rafa boarding, border crossing into Egypt. Um, that, you know, of course, Sinwar is number one on their list um, because he is considered, you know, the mastermind right. of the operation on October 7th, the deadly attack. Right. Um, you know, but, you know, I guess the question is, does Israel need to kill those two in order to, you know, strike a deadly blow against Hamas. And if they do uh, defeat the leadership, what will the position be of the people who are left? I mean, the, the videos that we see over here are just horrific. And I don't know how you bounce back at all into anything that looks like normal life after the bombings and the devastation that has um, hit that area, but w- would the average person say, you know what, you've killed members of my family, my building is now uh, destroyed, and I'm in a tent, and I'm going to keep on fighting, or are they going to say, hey, let's figure out a way to live side by side? Well, obviously, I think, you know, Israel wants to pressure uh, with its military force a surrender by Hamas and its yeah. supporters. Uh, when that moment comes, you know, I think there'll be a longer term question about whether this war, you know, created a new generation of hatred towards Israel, or did it free some Gazans from the yoke of Hamas itself? You know, we don't know exactly what the support of Hamas is in the Gaza Strip, but, you know, Hamas has two faces, its military wing and its kind of civil service uh, w- face uh, where it, you know, takes it's in charge of obviously all the policing and the right. um, education and the governance because it kicked out the Palestinian Authority. So, you know, are there people who, you know, will still be Hamas supporters after this, even if they are not supporters of the military wing? It's an incredibly complicated question. I don't think we'll really know the answers until later. Um, But I don't think that, you know, weighing weighing the war against, um, you know, will it create a new generation of hate? I think Israel, apparently Israel chose the war um, because of the threat that Hamas poses to southern Israel. Um, and, and after you know, October seventh, yeah, do? the hor- <laughs> the yeah, the devastating attack they carried out. Um, you know, for many Israelis, the world will always find reasons to hate Israel, and the Middle East will always find reasons to hate Israel. So, you know, they had to remove the threat for right. for the civilians. That's right. that was Israel's the government's position. And I know you got to run, but let me ask you kind of a selfish question because I have some friends who are in Egypt right now and i keep reading kind of sideline stories about how this is going to impact egypt and the refugee crisis i mean it's got to be a crisis at this point the question is how do you deal with it do we know where these people who are displaced and probably starving right now where they're going is egypt going to be overrun so um technically you know they're in gaza people are not starving yet Okay. I mean, there's a threat of starvation because there are 200 trucks of aid coming in. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, are people being fed well? No, they're living on most, rations. a lot of people are living on one meal a day yeah. and rations. But um, it's an important question you ask because, you know, there are 
stories out there, even in places like the New York Times, you know, that somehow Israel's creating um, uh, an eventual exodus of hundreds of thousands of Gazans into Egypt. And that simply is not going to happen. Egypt's not going to open its crossing to Gazans because they're not going to do it. What Hamas, they're not going to do it. They fear what Hamas would do in the Sinai Desert, not to mention Egypt has enough of its own economic and security issues uh, to not want to be responsible for hundreds of thousands of Gazans. So unless Hamas is going to blow up the border and a huge, you know, deluge of or exodus of Gazans is going to force their way into the Egypt, they're simply not going to find refuge in Egypt. Um, Egypt's made that clear. And the United States doesn't want that. Israel doesn't want that. Um, But it does feed into the kind of propaganda Mm -hmm. that Israel is setting up a situation to empty the Gaza Strip, though it is not true. Interesting. Okay. Well, I appreciate that perspective. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Jordana Miller, the ABC News correspondent, live for us in Jerusalem this morning. I really appreciate it. Please have a safe weekend. We'll talk Talk to you next week. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I asked that question, obviously, because we're going to Egypt in April next year. So that's in the back of my mind. Uh, You know, we're not making a decision about whether we're going or not until, I don't know, February, probably, is when we'll make a decision. And that's very selfish of me to even ask that question uh, during the middle of a war when people are dying. But I tried to ask it delicately because I'm curious as to her perspective there. It is also telling something that is not selfish of me to ask uh, or say, don't you think that it is instructive that none of the countries that surround Israel want to take these people in? Right. And do you I think that's factually accurate. Uh, in Jordan, they don't want this crowd. Now, I mean, look, I, I, I'm a pretty compassionate guy, but I even I would say, no, I can't take in every homeless person in Richmond in my little house in the West End. You know, I wouldn't be able to live. I don't make enough money. I don't have the resources for that. So there's something there. There are two things here. One is the practicality of the problem. You can't solve the problem just by moving the problem. This is one of the things that I think is so horrible about our own immigration issue not to change subjects but you know all these democrats run around oh it's these people are seeking refuge oh i'm sure they are there are plenty of you know the marxists and socialists like the modern democrats have destroyed central and south america (laughs) so yeah everybody in central and south america who isn't already rich is looking for an option and they look at the united states and they want to come to the united states so i get it yeah you want options The United States just can't absorb all of you. We can't be the refugee land for everybody who screwed up their own country around the world. So that's a practical problem. But see, it's not in this case in the Middle East. And I say this, uh, I'm loathe to call myself an expert on it because I don't think I've read enough to to legitimately tell you on the radio or even if we were having a private conversation over drinks at the Jefferson downtown. I don't think I can legitimately tell you I'm an expert, but I have more expertise than the average American having lived over there. And there's, you get people talking privately and there is, um, 
there is a cultural, I don't know, belligerence or attitude that most of the Arabs don't want in their backyard. Um, and they're not willing to import the Palestinians into their culture. They just don't want it. And I don't, you know, we could probably get somebody on who is an expert, who's lived over there and read a hundred books on it. There's something, I don't know whether it's the division in the way they see Islam or whether there's a, uh, just something that's nuanced that I haven't detected, but there's something there. They don't like these people and they don't want these people in. I don't know. What could I compare it to domestically? Hmm. I mean, it might be if you went to Manhattan and somebody from um, a country town bought the, the uh, condo across the hall from you and you're a Manhattanite. You're a sophisticated New Yorker. You've lived in New York your entire life. You've gone to the best schools and you go to the theater and you go to the symphony and you think you're just the smartest, most sophisticated person in the world. You wear the most fashionable clothes. You make good money. And then these country rubes move in across the hall from you. I mean, this is a silly example of something that's actually serious. But um, maybe it's kind of like that. Like, oh, my God, how did these people move in across the hall from me? Um, but even there, you would probably be able to draw some lines and protect your own sanity because you wouldn't necessarily have to engage with the country rubes across the hall. And the country rubes across the hall probably wouldn't be up in your business trying to ruin life for you. And my observation, without, without being too ugly about it, my observation is that's what a lot of Arab people and leaders are worried about with the Palestinians. I don't think I'm wrong for saying that. Um, you know, some of you might be screaming at the radio because you think that that's inappropriate to say, or you would disagree. I, that's my observation. And it is not just me sitting in, in Richmond, Virginia saying it. It's having lived amongst people in the region and listened very closely to what they have said. That there's something there's something else going on there. At six forty eight, I ran a little long there. We'll be back with more in a moment on this Friday morning on News Radio WRVA. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. 
We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places.